What a powerful message um, in that last song. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, Bert and I and, and Amber were able to spend a few weeks in Florida being refreshed. Uh, it was really good, but I wouldn't go because it got really cold when we were down there. It was like 65 during the day, and so I just would, um, I wouldn't even bother going down. I just endure and love this dreary, cold northern Ohio weather. All right? Hey, it's great to celebrate. You know, it's always good to be away, but it is so good to be, to be home, to be with your church family. This morning, you know, we got to celebrate with, with five families who are blessed with, with something that God has created, uh, these babies. And it's good to celebrate with them. We also have something else to celebrate this morning. Uh, last Saturday, Cletus and Annie Slaybaugh, um, there they are, got married here at Fairland, they're here with us this morning. They, they said they've survived the first week of marriage, or they've thrived in their first week of marriage. And so congratulations to them, and we celebrate with them as they begin this journey. And we pray for them as they begin this journey. Uh, let me also just say a word on perspectives. Uh, I've done perspectives. Actually, how many of you here have done perspectives? Would you raise your hand? I know we've had about... I think 100 to 150 people from here uh, in 2012 and 13 do the perspective, Perspectives course. Uh, can I encourage you to invest 15 weeks in this um, teaching? It is a powerful uh, 15 weeks of understanding God's heart for mission and how we're involved in his mission. And I remember the first time that, that I heard that this was a 15-week course that, that I was going to have to come every Sunday night for three hours and listen to speakers and do a bunch of reading. But I'm telling you what, it was one of the most um, impactful things that I have ever done. I think that our church has ever done. And so I want to encourage you, invest 15 weeks. And look, for a couple, it's $500, but with... with, with um, scholarships and early registration, a couple can do it for $70. I mean, that's a cheap, that's, that's less than $7 a week for a date. I mean, Jason, it doesn't get better than that. $7 a week to invest in uh, kingdom uh, learning. So I really want to encourage you to uh, to consider that. And as we as a church, you know, we've done these these five weeks, as we think about uh, 2019, the year of expansion, and it's about a whole lot more than expanding our building, although that may be a part of it. It's about us expanding our impact, about us going to the nations, going to our neighbors, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, expanding our impact, moving beyond these walls to share Jesus with people who need him. I said we've spent the last five weeks in this advanced series out loud with words. And, and even though I was gone for a lot of this series, I preached at Pleasant View one Sunday that we were in Florida a couple weeks. I've heard a lot of really good things about the series. I've, I've listened to the messages online. I think it's been a really good five weeks of being equipped to share the gospel. 
And we began by looking at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 when just before Jesus ascended up into heaven, he gathered his disciples together. And he commissioned them, he sent them out, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. You see, we've all been commissioned to go and share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. And we call that evangelism. And, you know, when we hear the word evangelism, at least when I hear the word evangelism, let me be honest with you, that kind of scares me. That makes me uncomfortable uh, to think about sharing my faith with people. And yet, I wonder why. You know, there's this famous quote that, that is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that, that, that I always loved. It says, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. You know, and, and I love that quote. And it's echoed through, a genera- through generations of Christian, and, and the spirit of the quote is good. It makes a good point that our actions matter that people are watching what we do. But here's the reality. I learned this in perspective. St. Francis never said that. He never said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. We put those words in his mouth. What he actually said was, in a writing to, to Franciscan pastors, he says, you should preach by your deeds. And what he's saying is, look, make sure that your deeds match up with your words. Be sure that you live the grace and truth of the gospel. But the notion that we, that we should never have to present the gospel, that we should never share the gospel, doesn't align with what we, even what, what St. Francis believed in practice. And I think we use, I've used this, excuse, this, this quote as an excuse to articulate my faith to the people that, that God brings into my life, to do evangelism, to tell people the good news of Jesus. But in Romans, Paul said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But he says, how can they call on the one they've not believed and how can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, without us telling them about the gospel? And we can love people, serve people, care for people. We can model it in our lives but our actions merely nudge people to ask questions. It creates curiosity. It it begins to open the hearts of people to an interest in the gospel. But for all of us, there comes that time when we must share the gospel, we must out loud with words, tell people what we believe and the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter said, when someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. And so we need to be equipped to and prepared to tell the story and to articulate our faith. And I feel like what's happened over the last five weeks is that, that we have been equipped. We've been equipped to share the gospel. 
And we learn how to tell our story, the, the before. What was your life like before you believed? And for me, I felt lost. I felt lonely. I felt confused. I was trying to belong. And then came that night. See, it's the before and the then, the turning point. That night when I understood that this mountain was too high for me to climb, this chasm was too great for me to cross, that I needed Jesus. And it was that night when I was 15 years old that I received Christ when my life began to change. Now, I wish I could say that everything changed. But now my life was beginning to change. You see, the before, what my life was like before Christ, that moment, that, that time when, when I understood the gospel and, and, and received it, and then the now, what is my life like now? You see, for me, it changed the way I looked at life. It changed the trajectory of my life. It changed the way I made decisions. It changed who I dated and who I married ultimately. And you know, if it wouldn't be for the fact that, that Verda and I were believers, we may not be married today because it changed us. And my life and my family could look a whole lot different if I had not received Christ that night when I was 15 years old. Have you ever thought about what life would be like without Jesus? Have you ever thought what, what it would be like without Jesus? Now think about the people that you know, the people in your life that don't yet know Christ. Who live life without a relationship with him. And then I ask my question, why is it so hard for me to share the gospel when I realize how much different my life is now than it was then, and I know people that need him, why is it so hard for me to articulate and tell people the good news of what Christ has done in me? What keeps us from sharing the gospel? And look, I am talking to myself. What keeps me from sharing the gospel? When my life has been transformed by his death, burial, and resurrection, when I am in relationship with him, when I run to him, why am I afraid to share? Am I am I ashamed? Am I ashamed of, of Jesus and, and of what he's done? And Luke, Jesus said, look, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. Am I ashamed? What keeps me from sharing the gospel? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. 
No, I must not be ashamed because it's the gospel that transforms lives. Let me ask you, are you ashamed of the transforming power of the gospel? I ask myself, what keeps me from from telling people, am I ashamed? Do I have a lack of desire? Am I apathetic? Why don't I care about people's eternal destinies? What keeps me from sharing? I think it's a question that every one of us has to ask. And I like to believe that, no, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And yes, I care about people's eternal destinies. And, and maybe sometimes it's just not knowing where to begin. Where do I start with sharing the gospel? How do I get into a gospel conversation? Well, that's, I think, what's been so helpful in this series is, is, is we have been given a strategy. We've been given some practical tools to share the gospel. And I think it's been really cool that we've been able to practice sharing the gospel with each other. And I want to really encourage you, look, this is something we can do at home where we can practice telling our stories. How many of you have ever, as parents, told your children your story of salvation? I think we need to, to learn to articulate and tell our stories. Tell your stories around the supper table. Tell people how you've been changed. Tell your family how you've been changed. Practice with each other. You know, Kelsey talked about the cause circle, and, and, and it, this all begins with prayer. And I hope that, that you have your cause circle um, card with you, and I hope you have names written in there. And I hope you've been praying for those people that, that are on your list, and, and that you have been pleading with God to change their hearts, and you've been looking for opportunities to care for them. Remember, we pray for, we care for, and then we look for opportunities to share. So don't stop with just praying. Don't stop with just caring for them. Remember the triple A's. Look, you know, ask good questions, admire things about them, and then admit that you're a sinner. We must be about sharing the gospel. It begins with much prayer. It begins by, and, and then it's followed up by, by showing the gospel, caring for people, Caring for their needs. And then telling them the gospel. 
telling them that God created us to live with him. How many of you have, uh, have got your free t-shirt? How many of you have, have um, memorized the gospel acronym? Would you raise your hand? All right, let's keep at it. God created us to live with him, and I think this is such an easy way for us to remember how to share the gospel. And, and moms and dads, for, we, had, we had baby dedication up there. You need to be able to clearly articulate the gospel to your children, and you need to do it on a regular basis. You need to remind them that, that we were created to live with him, but, but because of our sin, we are separated from God. And, and that, that no amount of good works can, can earn our salvation. That it was Jesus that did it. That he paid the price for our sins so that we could be in relationship with him and everyone who trusts in Jesus alone will have eternal life. And a life that begins right now. Do you know what, what living with Jesus is like right now? And so we have the tools to share the gospel. And what, what's, what's keeping, and I think as I thought about this, I, I think people's responses is what, is what keeps us from sharing. Because you'll get one of three responses when you, when you invite people into relationship with Jesus Christ. There will be the, no, I'm not interested. And there will be people that will be very kind and say, no, thank you. Uh, I'm not interested. And there will be those people that will say, you're stupid. What are you thinking? I don't want anything to do with this. So you will get no for an answer. So, so what do I do with the no? What do I do when people say, absolutely not? You know, Jesus experienced this. He, he got no's when he, when he invited people to follow him. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do? I'm doing everything right. What else must I do? And Jesus said, go and sell everything and then come and follow me. And the young man turned around and walked away. He rejected Jesus' invitation to follow him. So even Jesus got rejected. And we will get rejected. And, and Jesus said, this is how you respond to rejection. He says, rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is the word in heaven for those, for, for the, that is how their father streams. Look, Jesus said, look, when you get rejected, when you get persecuted for what you believe, he said, rejoice. But he also says, a couple verses later, there in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, or to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So we continue to pray. Even when that person rejects the gospel, when they say no, thank you, or absolutely not, we continue to pray. If God has put them on your heart, you continue to pray. Let me ask you this. How many of you ever rejected the gospel? I bet there's quite a few of you here that the first time or the second time or the third time that someone invited you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that told you the plan of salvation, you said, no, thank you. How glad are you that people kept praying for you and people kept sharing the gospel with you? 
vary. So we can't stop. Even when people say no, we must continue to pray for and to care for. Now, what about when people say, not now, but I've got some questions. And that may be even scarier than a no, because now I have to have answers to those questions. That's okay. That's what causes us to grow, is when we help people who don't believe to find answers. Now, Jesus encountered this with, with Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus came to Jesus in the cover of night and wanted to know more. And, Nicodemus, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, if you want to... He said, you must be born again. That night, Nicodemus didn't receive Christ. He didn't follow Jesus, but he went home thinking. And, and if you go about to, to, to John chapter 7... Nicodemus asks a question, or he defends the gospel. Although he's not a believer yet, he defends the gospel. And then we see Nicodemus in John chapter 19 at the foot of the cross, taking Jesus down off the cross and burying him with Joseph of Arimathea. Although Nicodemus said, not now, I'm not ready, I believe Jesus kept after him and kept answering his questions and eventually Nicodemus made a commitment to Christ. So if they say, not now, but I want to to engage further, we must engage further. We must continue to walk with and to answer any questions that we can answer. So don't be afraid of the... I want to know more. Be encouraged by the, I want to know more. So it's absolutely not. And the, no, I'm not ready, but tell me more. Then there's the, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And you know what? I think this scares us too, because what do I do now? When that person says, I'm ready to follow Jesus What do I do with them? I think sometimes we get a little freaked out by by thinking that when a person says, yes, I want to follow, that we have to pray this this perfect prayer. They have to pray this sinner's prayer, and they have to say all of the right things so that they can be saved. Look, when they say they're ready to follow, something has already happened. You never see Jesus or Paul or Peter leading anybody in a sinner's prayer. So when they're ready to follow, when they say yes, it's okay to pray with them. It's good to pray with them. It's good to thank God for what he's doing and, and that their lives are being transformed. And we celebrate. We celebrate with them the fact that that they are now followers of Christ. They are now in the kingdom. And as Jesus tells us in Matthew, when that happens, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. So I begin to teach. I walk with them. I walk with them and show them the gospel and and we read together and I begin a disciple-making process. 
the disciple-making process began when I was sharing the gospel. It continues now as a new believer in the four-chair disciple. They're in a chair two, and my goal is to get them from a chair two to a chair four, continue to share, to continue to mature them so that one day they are making disciples who make disciples. So when they say no, that's okay. You keep praying for them. When they say, maybe, tell me more, you keep talking to them. You keep answering questions. When they say yes, you continue to answer questions. You continue to walk with them and you celebrate with them. There's this really cool parable, three parables that Jesus teaches in, in Luke chapter 15. And it says that in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, that says the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around Jesus. Do you catch that? Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. He hung with people who needed to hear the gospel. And we need to find ways to do that. But then it says that, that then he tells a parable. He tells it's a parable of, of a shepherd who lost a sheep. Had 100 sheep, one walked away, and so he goes looking for it. When he finds the sheep, he comes back and he says, let's celebrate because the lost has been found. And then he tells a story of a, of, a, of, a, of a lady who lost a coin. And she cleans out her whole house and, and looks for it everywhere, and finally she finds it, and she says, rejoice, I've, I've found my lost coin. And then Jesus said this, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner repents. Now, that's why we need to celebrate when someone gets saved because the heavens are celebrating when one sinner repents and, and we must learn to celebrate. When that person you've been working with and sharing with and, and inviting into a relationship, when they come to a point of inviting Christ to be their Savior, man, we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate as a church. We need to celebrate as individuals because something incredible has happened. The lost person has been found. And as we go forward from here, as we go out, we must be on mission to share the gospel. God, we, we who have relationship with Jesus need to be passionate about seeing other people who have relationship with Jesus. We have to quit being scared. We have to quit being intimidated. We have to quit making excuses. I'm talking to Dwayne here. We must go. We must make disciples. We must. This morning, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that we would, with great confidence, Go and share. And I hope that, that 
moving forward, we can on a regular basis celebrate people coming to faith and, and not celebrating what we have done in sharing the gospel because it's not a failure when you share and somebody doesn't receive, when somebody says, no, absolutely, absolutely not. The failure comes when we choose not to share. And so we're celebrating every time we share, but, but when someone comes to faith, we want to celebrate that. And this morning during our ABF time, we're going to be talking about our stories and, and, and how, how different ones of you have, have shared the gospel and how that's gone. But as a body together collectively, we must encourage and inspire and spur one another on in this, for many of us, this, this adventure of sharing the gospel this adventure of sharing the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you, Father, sent your son to this earth to die for our sins, to bring us back in relationship with you. We praise you for that. And now, Father, as we go from this place, Father, I pray there would burn within our hearts this deep desire to see our friends, to see our family, to see uh, acquaintances come to know Jesus. Father, we would not be ashamed. To, we would not be intimidated. We would not be scared we would be confident of the gospel. Lord, I pray against the devil and, and the lies that he tells us. Father, would you protect our minds against those lies and help us to focus on the truth of the good news of Jesus. And Father, would you prepare hearts? Would you prepare... Um, meetings with people, divine appointments with people. Father, would we share with our mechanics and our doctors and our, our bank tellers and our moms and dads and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives, would you give us the courage to share? Would we see your kingdom expanded for your glory? It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen.